0: A couple of years ago, Dr. Charlotte King embarked on a pretty fascinating project studying the skeletal remains of colonial settlers on the Otago goldfields in the 1800s. We spoke to Charlotte when she just started the work, which was looking at isotopic evidence from their remains, and she's continued to go through the data to find out more about these early settlers. Turns out there is still more to learn. Dr. Charlotte King from Otago University's Department of Anatomy is with us now. Hi, Charlotte.
1: I see how you're going.
0: Really good, thank you. Nice to talk to you again. Can you remind people of uh, the wider study that's going on here?
1: Sure thing. So our project overall is working with historic cemetery trusts and local communities to find unmarked or lost graves from the colonial times and figure out who those people were um, so that we can re them with a bit of respect and find out a bit more about our past. Um, Yeah, it's the first project in New Zealand to look at the people of the Otago Goldfields' lives directly using biological and chemical evidence from their skeletons.
0: Yeah, so interesting. Can you tell us a bit about the Goldfields, for people who aren't familiar with that period of New Zealand history?
1: Uh, Sure thing. So, Otago was the place where the gold rush started in New Zealand. In 1861, Gabriel Reid found gold in Tuapaka, what's now Lawrence. And people flocked to this country from all over the world, um, from the other goldfields in Australia and California, directly from Europe, from China as well. And it became a real melting pot um, time in New Zealand's colonial history.
0: Yeah. And by looking at these settlers, you've found out a bit about the makeup, um, I guess the, the diversity of some of the people who are showing up here. What have you, what have you found so far about who they were?
1: well i think what you just said there is is really our main point the diversity of people um on the gold fields uh when we get taught this stuff in history in school we tend to think of the gold miners as as just one thing men doing it tough hard mm. conditions if you're lucky striking it rich and you get to leave but what we see in our work is that these people all have their own very unique stories we've got people who come from lives of real hardship and uh making their lives better on the gold fields we see people who were relatively well off we've got some people where we can see them getting to the gold fields quite recently before death and then meeting an unfortunate end and then we've got lots of chemical evidence for the kind of tumultuous lives that they have where people are getting sick recovering going through periods of starvation um and just doing it tough in their own way on the goldfields.
0: How are you finding this stuff out?
1: Uh, There are a number of people working on this project and we all look at different lines of evidence. My research focuses on the chemical signals left in your bones and your teeth and your hair after you die. So things that you ate, things that you land, that you lived on, it all leaves a chemical trace in your body. And my job is to unlock those sort of chemical stories that are hidden in people's bones to figure out where you're from, what you're eating, whether you went through periods of stress or starvation, and reconstruct that from chemistry.
0: Uh, bones and teeth and hair, right? And, and um, you're able to tell quite amazing things. It might not surprise people to hear that the Chinese settlers ate pretty well.
1: Yeah, I I actually think that um, if you just think about it in a general kind of way, that to me was quite surprising because we know the Chinese settlers on the gold field were quite marginalised. There's a lot of um, accounts from the time of Europeans making sure they didn't live in the same settlements and trying to get rid of them. But yeah, what we see in terms of the chemistry of their diet, it shows that they they actually had really great diets compared to the Europeans. And yeah, I think that's a testament to the fact that they were really resourcing their own communities and their merchants were incredibly successful in getting goods to the Chinese stores on the gold fields, giving them that sort of advantage, even though the Europeans were marginalizing them.
0: You can even tell how long people were breastfed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we can. So that's a dietary change as well. So your mother's milk makes its way as a chemical signal into your body. And so we can see what what mums were up to and what kinds of early childhood people had and the conditions that they might have been escaping as they moved to New Zealand and we definitely see some hardships and some very long breastfeeding um, particularly in Chinese minors which is often a sign that mums are trying not to get pregnant again or that children might have been quite sick um, and mothers keep breastfeeding to try and keep them healthy
0: Any other individual stories you've come across that interested you?
1: Well, for me, I'm really interested in women on the goldfields because they don't get talked about very much. And we do have uh, one potential woman in the cemetery sample who um, her chemistry is full of all these interesting spikes uh, which mean often that you're experiencing times of starvation, of sickness, of stress, and... uh, Alongside the kind of chemical signals from her diet, we can also see that she was extremely exposed to mercury. Uh, so I'm very interested in what might have caused that, and we're looking into her a lot more.
0: Yeah. Any ideas? Where would mercury have come from back in those days?
1: Uh, on the gold fields, mercury was everywhere. Uh-huh. So uh, they were using it to pull gold out of the sluices that they were using. So you'd put it in to uh, attach to the gold and drag it out of the solution. But also, it was in medicines all over the place. Everything from syphilis to menstrual cramps could be medicated with mercury, and I suspect that's probably what was happening to her.
0: Can you tell much about their diet at the time? It would be pretty fascinating to to discover what they were eating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't tell specific food sources. I couldn't tell you that you had a banana for breakfast, for example, mm. but we can get a generalized idea of diet. So we can get an idea of the amount of meat in the diet, the amount of seafood. Um, what we see is that there's quite a lot of seafood in the diet of, of Chinese migrants, particularly before they get to New Zealand. So that kind of traditional Chinese diet. Um, in the Europeans, we see your kind of classic meat and two veg sort of diet. That's very British uh, mm. subsistence. Um, So we can get that kind of general idea and get an idea of the amount of meat and whether they could afford meat and things like that as well.
0: Charlotte, any ethical considerations about um, taking these remains and doing tests on them before they're buried again?
1: I think that ethics is a really important part of this project, actually, and we haven't done anything and we wouldn't do anything without the prior agreement of local community and and potential descendant groups. This really isn't a secretive project. It's uh, one where we really want people to get involved and understand what we're doing and uh, say no if they don't want it. So for us, respect for these people is is at the forefront of the way we work. Uh, The whole point of what we're doing is to find and identify people. And so... Now we've found and identified 30 people who were lost without analysis. We couldn't tell you who they were. But now we can start telling their stories again. And now they can be reburied and are reburied with markers so that the community can acknowledge them.
0: Any secrets still left, do you think, in these remains for you to find out?
1: Um Well, they're reburied now. So analysis is all finished, but we are still writing things up. So we're looking, looking at the things like toxic metal exposure on the gold fields, at things like diseases that people might have been experiencing. And so those things are still to come out. So watch this space.
0: Do you let yourself daydream and imagine these lives as you're studying these remains, Charlotte?
1: Absolutely. I think it's really important to think about these people as real people, not as, as chemistry and numbers, because that's who they were. They were people with real lives. So I always like to think about what these people were up to. And the more evidence we have for that, the more real these people become, not just for us as scientists, but for the whole community that they come from.
0: Thank you for, uh, for telling us all about it today. And well done on this work that you've done so far.
1: Oh, thanks very much. It was lovely to talk to you.
0: Dr. Charlotte King, who's been looking at these remains uh, from the Otago goldfields, finding out more about the uh, colonial settlers who were there at the time.